0: Welcome to the inaugural season of the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast, where for 30 minutes once a week, we talk about all the things that make us love sports, the games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you're listening. And now, here's Ben and Darren.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome back. Like us, you may be a little sleep-deprived this morning because we stayed up late to watch what turned out to be a pretty incredible national championship game. Georgia uh, with a huge fourth quarter pulling away from Alabama, 33 to 18. Not so much excitement in the first half, Darren, but the second half was was really a fun game to watch. And, and you know, we were talking back and forth during the game, staying up late, and uh, just all in all, a, a really great
0: national championship game. It was, and there were a lot of folks that didn't really care much for the first half. But even in the first half, there was some, some excitement with, you know, typically you want a game to have touchdowns and, and a lot of back and forth. And But even in that first half, every play really kind of mattered, you know, when a game is that close. And, and you saw that. You know, even in those first couple of times with what looked like what was a, a turnover by Alabama and, and, and I've been running back for a touchdown. It ended up being an incomplete pass. And, it, you know, there was so much going on in it because the game was so close. But then in the second half, man, it took off. And it, when you talk about an exciting game, kind of the image that everybody has of an exciting game, the second half really fit the bill. I, I mean, it, it took off and man, was it fun to watch. Very fun to watch. And it had
1: the requisite drama in it. Like you mentioned, the the early um, drive where it looked mm-hmm. like Bryce Young fumbled. They called it back incomplete. Right. And then later in the game where Stetson Bennett were or- – you and I talked – we we thought that was an incomplete pass, and then they
0: ruled that a fumble. And it was not a fumble. Let's be, be very clear. <laughs> if that would have been what the game was decided on, you talk about some bitter Georgia fans, goodness gracious, that would have been <laughs> – because there's just – even after the replay, as many times as they showed the slow-mo, his hand was moving forward, and the ball went forward. I, I'm not a referee – but man, I still don't get that one. It worked out for Georgia, but I still don't get that one. <laughs> that is a rule
1: I still do not understand. Yeah, agree completely. It seems very arbitrary in how yep. it's interpreted. And but every championship game that's good, you have those moments, those gut wrenching moments, absolutely. And you think, what in the world just happened? How could they make that call? Mm-hmm. And, and somehow it all works out in the end. I don't Definitely. know how how that is, but it does. And so. Congratulations to Georgia. It's been a long 41 years. Yes. But uh, great, great win, great victory. Um, We're going to break down the game. Uh, But before we do that, Darren, uh, let's just stop and think about the dominance of the SEC. Yes. Three years in a row, 2019 LSU, 2020 Alabama, 2021
0: Georgia phenomenal run for one conference and, and all three of them great teams with, with very few losses. And, and, you know, they even showed last night uh, with Alabama and Georgia, both, when you look at common opponents, the the dominance that they show over teams in within their own conference. And especially when you get outside of conference. Uh, So, an incredible run when you look at, at those three seasons with those three teams. It, it really is amazing what the, the run the SEC is on right now. Now, Darren, you're the research guy. You're the stat guy. So
1: let's break down what happened last night in the national championship game. And let's start on the offensive side of the ball there was a glaring dearth of offense in the first half
0: <laughs> yes definitely there was no offense <laughs> in the first half there was a if you are a uh, a high school kid that is a kicker uh, that hopes to make it to the college ranks so you're watching anything and everything that is kicking, you had a field day. That was your game <laughs> during the first half. Outside of that, uh, n- not so much. Uh, you know, neither team could really get anything going. You know, Georgia's first t- two series were three and out. Uh, Alabama had, a- had that first series where they got to, you know, got got that first field goal. But then their next series, again, it- you know, it was a three and out. And it just – And we both knew, we we talked about in advance, this is how big is the defensive struggle going to be? Because you knew the defenses were going to dominate, and that was definitely the story of the first half. Whether it be, you know, the linebacking crew for um, uh, uh, Alabama and and how they were just constantly uh, in there. And then, you know, not only in the first half, but the entire game. Alabama seemed to know the snap count. I mean, Georgia, I'm sorry, seemed to know the snap count at times because, man, did they spend a lot of time in Bryce Young's pocket. It seemed like every time he turned around, there was at least one, if not two or three guys standing there, and and they ended up with four sacks uh, and at least four additional times that they had contact, you know, within getting to him, but he got the ball out. And then I think the hurries were almost double that number. So they, they were constantly on him, not only the first half, but the entire game. In, in the first half, you as you referenced the uh, field goals and punts,
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and, and somebody tweeted during the first half, they've got the wrong guys
0: calling this game. Kirk Ferentz from Iowa should be
1: calling this game.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Again, he would have had a field day. Exactly. That's exactly right. But, you know, the the offenses did eventually take off, especially uh, more so for uh, Georgia. Uh, And, you know, one of the interesting things about Georgia is they didn't run the ball a lot in the first half. Uh, They would kind of run it a couple of times and then throw, 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 run it a couple of times and throw, throw, throw. But even when they were throwing the ball throughout the entire game, they had a two tight end package in, a minimum of two tight ends, sometimes three. Almost 60% of their offensive snaps had that package in, where there were two to three tight ends. Uh, And then when they finally – I don't know if it was part of the game plan to continue with that package and and throw the ball – uh, and then run the ball some to keep them kind of guessing. But during the second half, uh, they really dug into that that package and started running the ball, running the ball, running ball. You know that that technically it was a three-tight end package that they had when they brought in the you know 370-pound guy to, to block on the left hand side on that first touchdown. During the first half, when they ran the the ball. With that fit that two tidy and a minimum of two tight end package, and they had nine and a half yards per carry during the second half when they really dug into that and said, We're going to do what we do. That went from nine and a half yards to twelve yards per carry. Every time they ran the ball out of that package, 12 yards per carry. And you could see it. You could really see that that started to open things up. Uh now the Stetson Bennett fumble, whatever. Uh, uh was what you thought was going to be the hiccup but i think even then because from that point on uh, and we talked about this last night he was uh 4 for 4 83 yards and two touchdowns and it was interesting in the post game interviews they were uh, you know the automatic question was what were you thinking and he was, he said i'm not going to be the reason we lose this game uh, obviously it was a very uh, a mental moment where it clicked for him and 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 he was going to move forward and do what he needed to do and and didn't miss another pass the the rest of the game and threw two touchdowns. But I think even in that, the run was still, to use an old term, the run was still setting up the pass. There was so much damage being done every time they ran the ball that they had to to pull those linebackers up, respect that more, and I think that opened up a lot, especially that uh, RPO, uh, there, that what's the second touchdown? That t- what's the tight end's name? I'm blank. Uh, the Bowers kid. Bowers, yeah. There you go, Bowers. Uh, that that was very much set up by how efficient and dominating the run had been in the second half. Because that that run was there, they respected it, they came up on it, and Bowers had that seam straight down the middle, and, and it was a beautiful. It was a beautiful call by Bennett because he had that option. You can see how it was set up. He had that option to to either hand or or, t- or throw. And, and he took the right option, obviously, because, I mean, it was wide open in there.
1: And several people have mentioned that this, this is made for movie. We we have oh. a movie script, particularly Stetson Bennett. And, and, and I'll, I'll be the first to say I doubted him and even texted you, do you think Kirby will make a QB mm-hmm. change? Mm-hmm. Because when he started that game, it didn't look good. Oh, no, not at all. You thought this guy is full of nerves, jitters,
0: Alabama's in his head. The delay of game yeah. made you go, "Oh, this guy is mentally already beaten." You know, when exactly. you are, when you are a senior, walk-on, former walk-on or not, when you are a senior that has played the way he has all season, and you're in this level of a game, and everybody around you is telling you to look at the play clock, and you still don't see it. Yeah. That's an issue, yeah. and so it
1: it really looks scary from and, a and, Georgia perspective. And then the incomplete pass. Uh, that was ruled a fumble. Mm-hmm. You thought, okay, it, it's just going to get worse from yep. here. Somehow, as you said, something clicked. Yep. Definitely. He bounced back. And let's give Stetson Bennett his moment because I doubted him yep. and most people doubted him. Definitely. And I'm suspicious of people who say today, <laughs> well, I was behind him all the way. <laughs> you know, most it, Georgia fans weren't.
0: Exactly. You know, it's interesting. Um, the, I saw uh, there was a moment where he was taking a picture with uh, David. Um, well, I guess I am sleep deprived, just don't have names. Played for Georgia forever. He's on ESPN now. Uh, does, oh, uh, Pollock? Yeah, David Pollock. Yeah. And and I bet David Pollock this morning wishes the camera wasn't there at the exact moment because he took a picture with Stetson Bennett and, and, and David Pollock's kids were around him. And he and he hugs him, pats him on the shoulder and said, man, I had you back. I, I believed in you the whole time. And I thought, I bet you wish that wasn't on microphone (laughs) because I don't know that that's true. It's easy to say after the game, but I don't, I don't know
1: that that's true. (laughs) So Stetson Bennett, good for you. Cherish this moment. Absolutely. And way to keep believing in yourself. So, offensively you, you pointed out some some big moments um the two running backs for georgia and yeah. of course when we talk about them we've got to talk about the georgia offensive line opening up some holes but, very much so but the zamir white kid the james cook with the 60 yard run <sighs> that was a pivotal um, run as the game wore on georgia dominated uh, in the run game mm-hmm. however alabama sh- had some life with the robinson kid they they yeah. got him really involved yeah. and uh you thought maybe he was going to be able to do some more, but um.
0: and he just—it it was interesting to watch how the holes were there at times for Alabama. And and you know, Robinson's not by no means an elusive runner, but he is a strong runner. Uh, he knows how to 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 get into the hole and 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 even if it's a small crease, he can hit that crease and kind of pop it open. And and you, see, especially in the Cincinnati game, you saw it happen over and over and over. Uh, when he would hit the hole and just create an explosion, I mean, th- they were creating bigger holes in the Cincinnati game, but still, he would create, you know, he would get there with power. He was getting there, it seemed, with the same power, but it was amazing how quickly the holes closed. You know, the l- yards after contact were very, very, uh, decreased comparative to how he has looked. The, 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 the first half of the or the entire regular season compared to, to last night there were very few yards after contact they really stayed on him closed well uh, you know people stayed you, you, that secondary uh, or, or second line of the defense whether it be the linebackers or you know a dB that's coming up whatever it is they really maintained those gaps and didn't let that breakout run. Uh, or those breakout runs happen. And and ultimately, what ended up happening, which is a pretty incredible stat, even though it looked like there were times where they maybe could push and break through and and start to develop a little bit of run game, it just never happened. And even though they ran the ball for like 28 times uh, throughout the game, uh, they only had 1.1 yards per attempt. That's incredible when you look at the rest of their season. That is a a minuscule number uh, when you look at the rest of their season. And, and again, you know, their line was there, they were moving, they were doing everything they could, but the holes just closed so quickly. Uh, You know, we talked about team speed in the Georgia Michigan game. I I think there was a little bit of a difference there as well. uh, Last night, don't know how it wasn't there in the SEC championship game, but the level at which the linebackers closed on plays was next level last night for Georgia. It really was incredible the way they closed on plays, the speed that they brought to that game. Yeah, you're going to have to put that defense
1: up with some of the best that we've ever seen in college football.
0: Absolutely. We
1: talk about the guys on the offensive side of the ball that that kind of set everything, Bryce Young with Alabama, Stetson Bennett mm-hmm. with Georgia. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, you had the Anderson kid from Alabama, just a game wrecker.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: But – the Dean kid, number seventeen for Georgia, the oh. linebacker. How he set guys up, how he got in guys' faces, how he was really, he, he was really leading that defense. Yeah. Such, I felt like such an impressive performance and example of leadership.
0: And you know, the, the term is used a lot for quarterbacks that own the field general. Uh, you know, you hear that term for for years, and that might be showing our age. That might even be a term that's used anymore, but still, you, you hear that a lot more. I think that very much describes what he did last night. For that defense, he was the the on-the-field general. Just like you said, there were times where you could see him physically move guys, Uh, and there were times when um, he, he, he would get up in somebody's face, but you could tell even in the moment when the camera's there watching it, it wasn't this aggressive tone of demeaning or it was, come on, we got this. You you, you got to help me. I'm going to help you. We got this. And you could see by the by the way the players uh, responded. And if you look at the scheme, what I picked up or thought was the scheme for the Georgia defense, you know, a lot of times when you talk about offense, you talk about motion and moving and, you know, moving guys around and, and, and that way you are trying to kind of confuse the offense of who do they block, who do they – or or try to confuse the defense of of where their responsibilities are on the offensive side. I think the Georgia defense used that. There was a lot of shifts last night where the entire line would shift an entire gap or go from, you know, that head to head one position uh, to, to uh, on a shoulder or into a gap. And I don't know that you pull off that kind of scheme without somebody on the field like him, that knows exactly what's going on for everybody on the field. I think that's the only way you pull off that scheme, and it obviously was very effective because that goes back to the very thing we're talking about: holes closing quickly, gaps not being there. You know what you thought was going to be there by the time you snap the ball, it's not there. All of those things that really seem to kind of confuse uh, the Alabama offense. I think those things are not possible without that scheme of moving and shifting and guys, because you know if you're set up as an offensive lineman and you get up to the line the center calls him you know mike mike he's calling for that middle linebacker and then by the time everybody sets and looks up right before the ball snaps your entire offensive line has went from a forefront or defensive line has went from a forefront to a five front now you've got this extra guy on the left hand side and the guy that you were calling is mike is split uh, over on the right hand side and there's a guy on the left hand side and it doesn't seem to be a middle linebacker That throws off things in a hurry, and they seemed to be able to really do that a lot last night, and I think that made a big difference in the game. It was a great scheme. Speaking of schemes, football is much like a chess match, and the
1: the two main personalities playing chess last night were Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Absolutely. Two incredible coaches. Yes. And – we we talked about the schemes, but we also talked about um, when they met up after the game yes. on the field and the respect that they have for one another.
0: Yeah, and, and you could see it, and, and And there's no one. There is no one, including Kirby Smart, that hates losing more than Nick Saban, uh, and, and you can see that in anything and everything he does. But the respect that he has for Kirby Smart, and, and you could hear in, in pregame uh, press conferences and interviews and stuff. The respect for the way that he that he has for the way Kirby Smart runs his program uh, and, and the pride he has that that, you know, Kirby Smart worked under him for 11 years. And so there's got to be some pride uh, on on Nick Saban's part uh, to, to see that happen. And, and, and to see the success that he's having. But I tell you one of the things that really stuck out to me was you could see the respect, even though obviously Saban hates to lose. Uh, and, and, you know, he says, man, you really you, you, you kicked our butts in the, the fourth quarter, which I thought was kind of a, a, a fun back and forth. between get two guys that respect each other. But Kirby Smart um, really took a step up on that people I like in college football scale to me when he stopped, even in the midst of all of that celebration and, and, and adulation. He stopped and asked how uh, Jameson Williams was. He said, how's your, how's your wide receiver? And, and hope it's not bad. And, and uh, Saban leaned into him and said, we think it's an ACL. Now I haven't heard if that is the case or not. But still, that moment in everything that was going on to be the guy that's worried about a kid's future, that's pretty cool. That's, that says a lot about a person.
1: Very, very classy move. Yes,
0: very, very much so.
1: And I wonder if some of the closeness with uh, Smart and Saban. You, you know, eleven years as as an assistant. That's that's loyalty. Oh. and then when he leaves Alabama, he leaves to go back to his alma mater. Right. Exactly.
0: Exactly. That that has to mean a lot uh, and be something that that Saban respects uh, because he didn't just head out for the first offer uh, that that came his way. Uh, and you know, I I would assume could be wrong right or or, or neither uh, uh, that that Saban had something to do when, when those other offers came that that, that was a conversation the two of them had more than once uh and, and so he knew when when it was when the Georgia job came Saban probably had no doubt and, uh, love you Kirby gonna miss you <laughs> you know I'm sure because I would assume that was just the relationship they had and and he knew that that probably knew that all along about him. But you know, eleven years together on college staffs—we've talked about before on in conversations about coaches. I mean, those guys—that's that's more time, especially in season, than spending with your family. You really get to know one another if you spend that many years on a college coaching staff together. So kudos
1: to uh, Kirby Smart for leading his alma mater to a national title. Darren, you're a numbers guy. What are the odds? now that Nick Saban goes back to Kent State, his alma mater, and leads them to a national championship?
0: It may – we may have to reintroduce like the Greek god system or something if he were to do that and pull that off. He he would be, you know, Zeus or whatever. If he he pulled that off, that would be – yeah, I don't think the odds are very high on that one.
1: So offensively, defensively, we we, uh, talked about various aspects of the game. Um, I know that you want to give some shout outs to some folks before we, we end this episode oh. today. But is there anything anything else from the game that really caught your attention?
0: You know, really, honestly, I, I think the, the big thing you have to give absolute credit for is, is you know, Kirby Smart. Uh, one of the things he said in the postgame interview was there was a lot of conversation about these guys not being conditioned. And that got some attention. Uh, And, you know, we talked about the team speed being a little bit different. You know, I heard one of the guys saying in in a pregame interview, one of the players say uh, in a pregame interview, or actually, I think it was mentioned on game day, uh, that the day after that game, when those comments kind of filtered around the team, that this is what's being said, no coaches, no anybody knowing the entire, everybody on the defensive side of the ball met at six o'clock the morning after the game and started doing conditioning drills together. Mm. That, that was the, that was their level of determination. The day after the SEC championship, they were running. And obviously, it made a difference in that Michigan game, and obviously, it made a difference last night. Uh, so I think you take that and then look at the difference in the way the game was approached from a scheme's perspective. perspective. That really stands out from for Georgia. When you look at those two games now – Got to say one thing for Alabama. It's kind of tough to lose your top two guys, <laughs> your top two receivers. And, you know, Bryce Young, he ended up with, you know, 300 and whatever yards it was. And uh, there were a couple times, man, the ball was spot on. And you just had guys that weren't used to being in that position and they just didn't catch it or dropped it. Uh, and you hate that for him because the guy played a heck of a game. Wasn't his greatest game? but Man, he played a heck of a game. And, and that kind of stands out as well. But outside of that, you really got to give credit to everyone – on that Georgia sideline for the difference in this game, the national championship game versus the SEC championship game it really stood out. The the difference in the mentality, game plan, scheme, everything really stood out as a big difference.
1: Yeah. Huge, huge adjustments, dedication commitment Mm -hmm. following that loss uh, to the game last night. Also uh, you mentioned uh, Bryce young being without his top two receivers. And of course, nobody's making excuses. But I think the fact that Alabama played so well—that's a testament to coaching.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and and, you know, it also it tells you a lot about the Alabama coaching staff and the level of player that they recruit. Because their their second string, (laughs) to use to use the football term, guys would be beast anywhere else. And and, you know, with their, you know, I think it was their third and fourth cornerbacks. They're third and fourth receivers. So those are key positions, and they are are still taking it into the fourth quarter. Mm. So what can you say? You're exactly right. So who do you want to give some shout-outs to today? Well, first thing is JT. Uh, sent us that incredible menu with those, uh, in, in those incredible names to, to the menu. Then, you know, the family mac and cheese and the, <laughs> love the, the, the football ninja puff, and mm-hmm. you know, those were names that he came up with. So, I love the fact that he integrated, you know, some of the things that we've talked about on the show. But I tell you what, when you look at the stats, you know, I'm a stat guy, when you look at the stats of our, um, our blog and really want to say thank you to everyone that goes to the blog and looks at it. We really have, have daily uh, interaction on the blog, people looking at stuff and appreciate that. But man, when we, we put that out there uh, it looked like uh, all of our other days were, were little um, foothills and, and the day, that first day that, that, that menu uh, with all of those recipes was on there was, was uh you know, Mount St. Helen or Mount Everest or whatever. And there was this huge spike and a ton of people went and got those. Uh, and uh, I, I will be honest and say, we tried the dog dip uh, at our house. Easy to follow recipe and man, was it good. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. So I want to give a huge shout out to him, uh, just his, his love of tailgating and food and sharing that with us all season long. R- really, really appreciate that. And then it, you know, you and I have talked about as we finish up our first season of football, how, how proud we are to have anybody be a part of the conversation. You know, that's, this is just something we do as a passion. Uh, and so the more people that are in part of the conversation, the more excited we are about it and enjoy doing it. Cause, cause we love that interaction and, and having people listen and give us feedback. And uh, Tammy in Tennessee uh, is one of those listeners that's been there from the very beginning and, and actually interacted first thing this morning to say, Hey, what's up? It's not, you know, it's six o'clock and it's not there. What's going on? So, so that's pretty cool uh, to have people that are listening like that and, and Tammy appreciate that. And, you know, after we talked, she she understood that it was a late night and we're, we're good now. So uh, she, she said she'd listen to it on the way home from work. So we'll we'll be in good shape. So uh, Tammy, hope your drive from home from work is, is good and safe and and we we appreciate everyone that's listening. It's really been a fun thing to do for this first football season of us doing this together. Yeah.
1: And, and I echo what you said, uh, JT, thank you for helping to, uh, bring more people in uh rest who doesn't love a good recipe. Exactly. And exactly. Uh, they're good recipes, creative. I love the names he gave for yeah. our championship menu. So wonderful all the way around. Thank you to Tammy, all of our listeners for joining us. Yes. Look, just because college football is over does not mean the podcast is ending. We are going to continue. Uh, we'll be looking at some college basketball course. We'll be talking about football a lot. And, um, we'll be bringing in some special guests uh, to talk about a variety of different aspects of college sports football in particular. So um, it's been a great college football season. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And, and Darren, it's been fun.
0: It's been fun. And it's just, I think it's 285 days to the next college football game. Don't forget that. And we'll be back next week. (laughs) That's right. we'll be back next week. (laughs) So thanks for listening.
1: We'll see you next Tuesday. Till then, take care.
0: Have a great week.